read from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not, that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may be more, that it will bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone laid out his life for his friend. You are my friend, my friends. If you do what I command, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. These things I command to you, so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Father, what a thing it is to be known as just simply as your friends. Father, you are our friends. Help us to receive the kind words from you, our friend. And those kind words are not these words that are, are even just pleasing to us, but sometimes those words have a bit of a sting to us. Father, help our hearts to be open right now to receive whatever it is you want to share with us. Praise and many. Amen. Now, uh, if you're uncomfortably close to someone else, if you want to spread out, <laughs> spread out, you can just completely ignore us. Don't No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I've been uh, given the privilege to wrap up the last uh, uh, series, uh, Sent to Love. Um, and as many of you know, it's been a while since since I've been up here, so um, it's an, an incredible joy 
for me to once again be up here in front of you guys. Um, so just to give a little context, just really briefly on chapter 15, we find Jesus and his disciples, they're finishing the festival of uh, the Feast of Passover, and it's roughly about 24 or so hours before Jesus is arrested and ultimately uh, led to his death. Um, and as he's getting ready to leave, verse 14, he's like, hey, let's leave this place. And then, like any good conversation with good friends, it just seems like it just kind of lingers a bit longer. Um, maybe they stayed, maybe they were walking on the road, who knows, but whatever happened, Jesus continues to talk to them, and he just breaks into the last of his seven I am statements with his friends. And then he, um, if you know the I am statement, it starts off, um, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the last one, I am the true vine. And to the guys gathered at the table, and to most Jewish people read this, he's literally saying, I am the true vine, not you. Um, everything that is going to be fulfilled is going to be fulfilled in me, not through you. So there was a key, they were keenly aware of that. Um, so then he goes on, let's jump into first, verse 15. One, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Now I grew up in the city of Chicago, so I didn't really know the vine dresser. I knew just from history and knowing the text uh, uh, a little bit, I had, I had a good idea, but I was like, I didn't really want to hang on that word vine dresser. I wanted to find maybe just a better way of saying it. And so I just came across, you know, vine dresser literally can mean someone who's just a farmer or a gardener. The best phrase that I came across with is a vine dresser literally is the one who works in the dirt. And I thought, how perfect to use that phrase, the one who works in the dirt, since we were all created from dirt. And if you could just imagine here, when Jesus is saying, I am the vine, my father is the vine dresser, what he's saying is, my father is actively involved in getting his hands dirty as he works in all our lives, as he works in the lives, in the life of the church. His father is just not off somewhere else, but he is actively God is literally getting his hands dirty as he works with his children. I don't know if you spend much time with the garden, but um, we come out at Morgan and Tammy's house quite often, and um, Morgan's got this awesome uh, little garden in the back, and he's got all his plants positioned uh, where he wants them. He's got some plants set aside and kind of like this cage is protected from the squirrels and he's also got this vine that he's been nurturing kind of moving around the yard and like he's climbed up his his garage wrapped around this beautiful magnolia tree that he has and he's and he's having a roll one direction and like just standing there listening to morning talk about this it's gonna go here and it's gonna go here and it's not even there yet right but he's imagining already the direction that this thing's gonna go and the kid and I are kind of looking up and there's nothing there except that Morgan's imagination. Morgan, like, already can envision where this vine is going to be. And Morgan 
That's all that really matters, that he has a plan for that. And it's kind of the same thing now. This summer when Matt, um, Mark and I hung out at Norman and Amanda's, and we walked in, and it was hot. It was kind of a hot summer day, and the mosquitoes were, like, insane. So we found uh, Norman in the front of the house kind of watering, you know, his, uh, his plants and stuff like that. Uh, and we go to the back, and as we walk to the back, it just like opens up to just absolutely beautiful, small city garden. Now, a lot of plants are some plants that they inherited, and some of them were some that they put in there, carefully selected and put in place. They even have a bathtub, an old vintage cloth of bathtub in their yard. It's kind of tucked like in the back of the house, but they have a plan for that bathtub. No one else can see it. Amanda can't really see it, but Norman can see it. And he's going to plan to do something with that bathtub. And for him, it doesn't matter if other people can see it. Again, because no one knows how exactly that's going to fit and complement his garden. And then we were kind of sitting around the wire table, chatting. There was this uh, small tree just right behind Norman. And I made a comment about it. And Norman was like, yeah, the tree. It's not so good. Um, I did not even call a tree doctor to take care of it. And again, it's kind of being city boy my mind thought the tree died. <laughs> it just cut that thing down. <laughs> but to Norman uh, but to Norman and Amanda, the tree was worth saving because it was somehow an integral part to that garden. So the joy of any gardener is to see is to see their gardens grow and to produce and ultimately to flourish. But in order for a carbon to grow and produce and flourish, it has to be worked. B. Morgan, Amanda, and Norman pour a lot of their time, sweat, and energy into their gardens, carefully putting plants where they want, carefully cultivating soil, getting rid of stuff that didn't evolve. And if I remember even talking to Morgan, he actually said he spent a lot of time and just honest and seasoned prayer as he dug his hands through the dirt and moved one plant from one place to another, carefully watering, <coughs> making sure that his garden will have the best, that his garden grow. And the joy for Morgan is not that just his garden flourishes, but that he gets to share his garden with other people. Oftentimes he separates plants and gives them away people as gifts and goes over and helps them plant the plants. So there's always a painful part to seeing a garden flourish. And we jump into verse 2 um, and on to like verse 6. It says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch, branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And then he says again, abide in me and abide in my love as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he is that bears much fruit for a part of me you can do nothing. For if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into fire and burned. 
This is very hard, but necessary truth. Not every branch is kept. Some are cut off and left to wither and then tossed in the fire. But here we see Christ talking about those that are in the camp of the unbeliever. The ones that remain in him are pruned, they're cut. The process of growth in the life of a, of a Christian can be painful. Submission, obedience, and repentance often is. Not always, but often is. If there was anything that the Father can count on from us, it's a fight. The more that He wants to produce in us, oftentimes the more we begin to put a fight. Now we're looking at it in, in two things. One, we're looking at us, the branches, and then we're looking also at the fruit. So we're going to set the fruit aside for a minute, and I just wanted to talk a little bit more about you, about me, about us, the branches. A lot of times when we approach this, our thought is that, oh, we're seeing a good growth chart, we're seeing a good plan for believers to, to you know, get in the garden and grow and produce, and then right away we start producing and producing and producing, but you're not going to produce anything unless there's a period of time where you begin to focus on yourself, you let you allow the Father to zero in on you. And I'm not saying that the Bible is about you, but I am saying that the Bible is about you. <laughs> because the Father cares for every branch that's on the vine. And verse 9 says that the Father loved me. So I love you. Abide in my love. So how do we abide? We know in the Old Testament it says when our hearts are when our heart when our heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh. And this is literally the heart of Christ. It's God again digging into his hands into the life of those who believe. And removing what is hard and putting in what is soft flesh. Literally meaning replacing our hearts with the heart of Christ. How do we abide? By recognizing first and foremost that we are hidden in Christ. That we'll be raised with Him in the last days. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We were all once branches or twigs that at one point in our lives were cast aside, destined for the fire. But then, in a mysterious way, our hearts were open and the love of God poured in. And we were literally plucked out of the fire before it consumed us. Literally, oftentimes it is just like that for most people. You wake up one day not knowing who you are, who you are in terms of Christ or God or church or anything like that, and then you have a moment where God just seizes your heart 
opens it up. And then you go from being a branch that is cast away to a branch that has been engrafted, cut into the vine, which is Jesus. And you're being held there by the love that the Father has for His Son and the love that the Son has for all of us. One thing we have to know that as His children, God is unwilling to let us go. He will not cut you off if indeed you belong to Him and belong to the Son. So where are we at? Um, many of you are aware of my family story and what's been going on with us for the past year. Um, it's been an incredibly painful season, even now, as I stand up here. Um, I won't pretend otherwise that life for us at the Martinez household is not, it's not easy. Um, I mean, it's not like it, we're all, you know, dragging ourselves out of bed and moping around. But we're all just keenly aware that there's a heaviness that still is resting on us. And at any moment, any one of us just burst out into tears. It could just be a thought, memory. It's still real fresh. It's only, it's only been about seven weeks since we lost, since we lost Joshua. And we've been wondering, how does this fit in? How does this fit in to what God is doing? Yeah, and our impulse immediately was to want to fight to some degree. Or just to simply even casually say, oh, we want to enter into this mysterious peace that the Father has to offer me. Um, but I noticed for myself, the more I said that, the tighter sometimes my fist clenched. Because the truth is, I didn't want His will. None of us did. We wanted our Son. That's just the painful part of growth in the life of a believer. There's really, in those moments, and even now, there is joy. It's, 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 it's in a deeper reservoir. But oftentimes we find our souls just being parched. But in comes the gardener. In comes the one who works with the dirt. And so how does he water us? How does he grow us? Shortly after Joshua had passed away, I think maybe it was the two or three days, we got this in the mail. It's a little hard. It says, Joshua Lionheart, November 2nd, 2018, Revelations 5 5. Someone sent this to us. And we opened it up and we were just far. We could feel our souls 
being nourished with the water that Christ provides. The living water being drawn from a deep well that never runs out. How does God tend to his people? With his people? Mm-hmm. Well, then, especially dark morning for no reason, it just felt heavy. It's early in the morning. We open up, I open up my email here. It's an absolutely wonderful letter from someone in this church just saying, really, is that one to know? And I know not much time has gone by, but we are remembering Joshua with you. And again, we just felt embarrassing our souls as we read that email over and over and over again to see Christ watering our souls, nourishing us. Sometimes that nourishing comes when the one who works in the dirt gathers the fertilizer of well-meaning people and packs it around us and uses it to also nourish us as we cry out to him. Why? Why does this have to be so hard? Why can't everyone just understand right where we're at? I said, I want you to lean in to me in these moments. And for our church, I truly and sincerely believe this, and I'm actually going to be closing pretty soon here. I just believe that for us, sure, we're a young church, and there really isn't much to look at. Because some of them have, some of us have recently been engrafted or grafted into the vine. We're new. So there isn't much growth there. We get it, we understand. We see that. We want to walk with those who are new to the faith here in this journey that you're in. And for some of us who've been around for a while. Could it be also that we have been freshly That maybe our souls and our hearts feel a bit empty because God has been doing his work and cultivating his garden and slowly snipping away at the things that would hinder growth. And for some of you, if you're like me, he just goes on and hits his hands and and there's just so much there, so much to, to cut away, so much pain, so much hardship, so much discontent, so much trauma, so much betrayal, that it just seems like this endless series of him cutting and cutting and cutting. And we're not. What is the point? What is the point of all this cutting? What is the point of all this suffering? What is the point of all this, God? 
If you really want the word receive, just man, let us let us see the joy in our heart. It will always be will always be a house of that. Let the people just come and, and party with us. And let's just can we just have that? And sometimes, yeah, we can. But the great gardener is always looking ahead of our life, like Morgan and Levine. Imagining for us what we could not see. It's the same in our lives. Can't you just give me a glimpse? And he says, abide in me. I am doing something in your life. Right now, sweet church, abide in him. Stay connected to the Father. Remain connected to each other in faith. Because the work of the Lord is not always easy. And sometimes it's just downright painful. But if we remain, if we stay connected to the Bible, promises he will bear much fruit in us. Our joy will increase. Our love will increase. Our patience for one another will increase. Our endurance to live this tragic life sometime will increase. And that's the great thing, right? Because now, when we are, are being tended to the Father in, 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 this, in this garden, He's doing this work on us, then now, now, we can go out into the world and we can tell the world how wonderful the Father is, how great the Father's love is for us, we can share the testimony of the brutality of our lives and we can just say, see, look at, look at my life, look at our life. This is how God has taken us from here and brought us to here. And it hasn't been like a week's journey. We're talking about decades sometimes. It was just recently that I found out from my wife that I am not a great listener. <laughs> that was like a surprise to me. <laughs> We've been married 23 years. Or 24? 24. 24 years. <laughs> 24 years. And I knew it. I knew that typically if I wanted to get my way with something that's just really easy to shut her down using the words. I didn't even play with that. I'm not like Donald Trump. I don't have the best words. <laughs> but I know her. 
And I know exactly what I need to say to shut it down. 24 years of doing this, it wears on someone. And I fought with her, and I just fought with her. And I had a choice. I could just either let my guard down and just confess and ask for forgiveness. You are right. I am so insecure. And I can't even put my finger on why I'm insecure. But please do not abandon me. Be Christ to me. Receive me in love. Receive me in forgiveness. Even remember that at times, a lot of times, I will hurt you. And I will try to be Christ to you. And knowing that I don't have anything to lose. I can completely receive you in love.